There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. On today's No Restraint Podcast, I'm going to talk about my new favorite villain, And no, it's not the same old villain. It's the son of the same old villain, but he's the new villain. That's right, because New York hedge fund manager George Soros has long been one of the most politically powerful individuals on earth. Since the mid-80s, in particular, he has used his immense influence to help reconfigure the political landscapes of a bunch of countries all around the world. And in some cases, he played a key role in toppling regimes that had held the reins of government power for years, even decades. Like the United States, a strong case can be made for the claim that George Soros has affected American politics and culture more profoundly than probably any other person in living memory. Armed with a multi-billion dollar personal fortune, he casts himself as a missionary with a semi-divine mandate to transform the world and its institutions into something which he deems better by promoting all manner of left-wing values and political agendas. But George Soros is 93 years old, and he understands that it's now time for him to pass the baton for his crusade, he's a crusader, right, for radical leftism to someone younger. Hence, a couple of months ago, he officially named his 38-year-old son, Alexander Soros, as board chairman of the Open Society Foundations. That's a $25 billion philanthropic empire through which the elder Soros had funded the left for decades. We think alike, said George Soros when he was discussing Alexander's prospects as his successor. Alexander, meanwhile, told the Wall Street Journal that he considers himself to be an even more political person than his father. So the ascent to the top of the organization hierarchy suddenly makes him one of the most consequential human beings anywhere on the planet. Let us examine then exactly who Alexander Soros is. Hat tip the free press. I get most of my information from journalists who aren't in the mainstream. Alex Soros was born in 1985 to the famous left-wing financier, George Soros, who was then 55 years old, and it was with his second wife, historian Susan Webner. He was the fourth of five children from George Soros's first two marriages. Alex was raised in a 14-room house on an estate in upscale Katona, New York. The family also owned a duplex apartment in Manhattan. So from pre-K through grade 12, Alex attended King Low Haywood Thomas, which is an elite private school located in Stamford, Connecticut. Alex and his younger brother, Greg, rarely saw their father when they were children. A 2012 New York Times profile quoted Alex saying, 
I was very angry at him, the father. I felt unwanted. He had a very hard time communicating love, and he was never really around. He was there, but he wasn't there, Alex said on another occasion. He was thinking about financial markets the whole time. Most of Alex's childhood days were spent under the supervision of a Chinese immigrant nanny named Ping. At a young age, Alex was introduced through his father to people like Hillary Clinton, Nelson Mandela, and Bono. He claims that he began to engage with his father more during his teenage years in conversations that sometimes included debates about the merits of Karl Marx's ideas. In particular, the boy grew closer to his father after his mother filed for divorce in 2004 when Alex was a freshman at NYU. In a way, he, George Soros, took fathering more seriously after the divorce, the son recalls. Between 2004 and 2006, Alex worked part-time at his father's Open Society Institute, later renamed the Open Society Foundation, which has long been one of the world's leading funders of left-wing groups and causes. Alex graduated from NYU with a BA in history in 2009 before later obtaining both an MA and a PhD in history from UC Berkeley in 2018. He also served stints as a postdoctoral fellow of the Hannah Arendt Center for Politics and the Humanities at Bard College, a school whose activities and programs had already been bankrolled by his father for a number of years. An honorary fellow at the Institute for Advanced Study at Central European University in Budapest, which was an institution founded by his father in 1991. And he was a visiting fellow at the Institute for Human Sciences in Vienna, a nonprofit educational institute whose relationship with George Soros, who was one of its board members, dated back to at least 1989. In his young adulthood, Alex was best known for his high-profile social life. As a Daily Mail headline once put it, gorgeous models, NBA pals, play hide-and-seek at his mansion. Welcome to the lavish life of investor George Soros's playboy son. Indeed, he garnered a lot of media attention simply for attending extravagant parties with celebrities. When he reached his early to mid-20s, Alex Soros resolved to bolster his credibility and became known for something other than hobnobbing with celebrities. Toward that end, he traveled on his own initiative to remote parts of the Amazon rainforest to meet with indigenous leaders for the purpose of drawing public attention to their needs. Soros began to make a name for himself as a philanthropist in 2010 when he contributed nearly $74,000 to Democrat candidates during that year's midterm election cycle. At the time, he stated that America will be better off if Democrats keep control of the U.S. House and Senate. He especially took issue with Republicans' extreme rhetoric on social issues, stating, I am the son of a Hungarian Jew who survived the Nazis. My politics are shaped by my family history and being Jewish. I was raised to sympathize with other minorities and targets of bigotry. Asserting further than the ascendant Tea Party movement was a movement of intolerance. Soros articulated his hope that my donations will help combat this intolerance. He also noted that he felt an inner sense of conflict about contributing large sums of money to political campaigns as a matter of principle, stating, I do not believe that elections should be privately financed. Ultimately, that's incompatible with democratic principles. I detest the idea that money is speech, he would elaborate in 2012. 
But if the other side is going to do it, you have to do it. In 2011, Soros joined the OSF Board of Directors. Initially, however, he was scarcely noticed in that role. Alex used to come to board meetings, but he hardly spoke, recalls former OSF president Arya Nair. Also in 2011, Soros and his younger brother Gregory collaborated to launch the Soros Brothers Investments Firm, where Alex served as a managing partner. In 2011 as well, Alex Soros joined the board of Global Witness, an organization dedicated to exposing human rights abuses by mining companies and governments around the world. In its self-description, it says, we want justice for those disproportionately affected by the climate crisis, people in the global south, indigenous communities, and communities of color, women, and younger generations. We want corporations to respect the planet and human rights, governments to protect and listen to their citizens, and the online world to be free from misinformation and hate. Oh boy. While still a graduate student at UC Berkeley, Soros, in April of 2012, launched a philanthropy called the Alexander Soros Foundation. His objective was to fund more experimental and perhaps controversial projects that larger mainstream foundations might not be able to take on. As InfluenceWatch.org reports, their mission, their stated mission, is to promote social justice and human rights, though its grants also focus on environmentalism, education, cultural causes, and more. In July of 2012, Soros told the Wall Street Journal, I don't want to become a full-time philanthropist because I don't think it is a job, per se. I think it is something one should do, a responsibility. Shortly after its launch, the grants that were awarded to the National Domestic Workers Alliance and Make the Road New York, both of which support increased levels of immigration to the United States, as well as amnesty for illegal aliens currently residing there. In 2012, Soros contributed slightly more than $400,000 to Democratic campaigns and political action committees during that year's election cycle. During the 2014 election season, Soros matched his 2012 output by donating yet another $400,000 to Democratic campaigns and PACs. In April 2015, Politico reported that Soros had poured $1.2 million into the preceding three election cycles, including support for Friends of Democracy, a super PAC started by his half-brother, Jonathan Soros, who has focused his political efforts on getting money out of politics. In August of 2015, Soros attended a Hollywood fundraiser for presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton, an event that featured the presence of luminaries like Tom Hanks, Kanye West, and Kim Kardashian. In 2015 as well, Soros took a full-time role with the Open Society Foundation. He worked with George's longtime advisor, Michael Vachon, and others to hone his public speaking and political skills, according to the Wall Street Journal. He emerged as his father's deputy. In a January 2016 interview with Forbes magazine, Soros publicly identified himself as an avid supporter of many progressive politicians, including Gavin Newsom, who was running for governor of California in 2018, Tammy Duckworth, who was running for senator in the state of Illinois in 2016 election cycle, and of course, Hillary Clinton. By May of 2016, Soros had contributed $1 million to the pro-Clinton Political Action Committee, Priorities USA. In August of 2016, Soros took to Instagram to post a photo of himself and Democrat vice presidential nominee Tim Kaine after an exclusive dinner that the two had shared. 
Love this man, read the Post. Was great to have dinner with a man we need to call one day Vice President Tim Kay last night. He is definitely the real deal. As noted by Breitbart News, Soros' Instagram account by that point in time had also featured photos of Soros alongside such high-profile Democrats. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. As Barack Obama, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Valerie Jarrett, Cecile Richards, Al Franken, Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Keith Ellison. During the 2016 election season, Alex Soros donated more than $4.5 million to Democratic campaign committees and political action committees. The leading recipient of his largesse was the Senate Majority PAC, a political action committee associated with Senator Chuck Schumer, which took in $3.5 million from Soros between August and November of that year. Alex Soros also gave $1 million to Priorities USA Action, $127,000 to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and 133000 to the Democratic National Committee Services Corporation. Among the individuals whose campaign Soros supported with the $5,400 maximum contributions allowable by law were Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, Russ Feingold, and Keith Ellison. In 2017, Soros donated $650,000 to Democratic causes. This included the legal maximum of 33900 to the DNC in April, plus contributions to such notable Democrats as congressional candidate John Ossoff in Georgia, Senators Claire McCaskill in Missouri, John Tester in Montana, Maria Cantwell in Washington, and Chris Murphy in Connecticut. And during the 2017 gubernatorial primary campaign in Virginia, Soros donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Democrat Tom Periello, who ultimately was trounced in the primary race by the establishment-backed Ralph Northam. Also in 2017, Soros gave half a million dollars to the International Crisis Group, on whose board of directors he sat. As of 2017 as well, Soros was also an active board member with the Open Society Foundations, Ben the Ark, the Jewish Action Pack, Global Witness, Libraries Without Borders, Central European University, and the Gordon Parks Foundation. In addition, he was a trustee with the Alexander Soros Foundation. In early 2018, Soros donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to support Florida gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum, a Democrat who ultimately was defeated by Ron DeSantis and was later arrested for a drug-fueled encounter with a homosexual male prostitute. By September of 2018, Soros had contributed almost $3 million to Democratic committees during that year's midterm election cycle. This included a $100,000 donation to an independent expenditure committee supporting Representative Keith Ellison's bid to become Attorney General of Minnesota, nearly half of all the money raised by that committee. In June of 2019, Soros was among 19 liberal left philanthropists to publicly endorse the imposition of a moderate wealth tax on the fortunes of the richest one-tenth of the richest one percent of Americans. 
On October 21st, 2019, Soros hosted a dinner event in his own home to benefit the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, who sought to redraw America's nationwide election map in a manner that would benefit Democrats at the polls. The three featured guests at the event were the NDRC chairman, Eric Holder, former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, and former President Barack Obama. During the 2020 presidential election season, Soros gave $700,000 to the Biden Victory Fund in support of Joe Biden's White House bid. In September of 2021, Soros and his father spent time with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. On September 9th, Alex Soros tweeted a photo of the three of them smiling together with a caption that read, In Pelosi we trust. Was good seeing Speaker Pelosi this weekend. In 2022, Soros was named president of Democracy PAC, which had served as his father's major campaign spending vehicle since 2019. Among other things, the PAC had backed the election campaigns of numerous district attorneys and law enforcement officials who viewed the criminal justice system as inherently racist and therefore sought to reduce the incarceration rates of non-white minorities. All told, the PAC had funneled more than $80 million to Democratic organizations and candidates during the 2020 election cycle and was reseeded with an additional infusion of $125 million by George Soros in January of 2022, money that would be used to help Democrats in the midterm elections later that year. In December of 2022, Soros attended a state dinner for French President Emmanuel Macron at the Biden White House. From 2018 through March 2023, Soros gave approximately $5.7 million to left-leaning political action committees and Democratic campaigns. Also during that same period, he met at least nine times with Chuck Schumer, who served some of that time as Senate Majority Leader, and at least eight times with Nancy Pelosi, who served some of that time as House Speaker. Further, Soros contributed a combined total of more than $130,000 to Pelosi's congressional campaign and to a super PAC victory fund associated with Pelosi. By early July of 2023, Soros had visited the Biden White House at least 20 times since the new administration was installed in January of 2021. Among the officials with whom Soros had met were Madeleine Strasser and Nina Srivastava, advisors to White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, Hazel Castillo, the National Security Council Staff Assistant, Mariana Adams, advisor to Steve Reschetti, who was counselor to President Biden, Kimberly Lang, the National Security Advisor, Jonathan Finer, Deputy and National Security Advisor, and Amanda Sloat, the National Security Council's Senior Director for Europe. Soros has got some strange views. In a July 2012 interview with Philanthropy News Digest, Soros articulated his thoughts regarding the American Jewish community's perspectives on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. When it comes to Israel and Palestine, I believe in consistency. If there's one problem I have with the American Jewish community, it's that it at times is rather inconsistent on the subject. I think that Jews have supported progressive causes because of the better part of their nature, and that's a great legacy. It's really a part of Jewish exceptionalism. But I worry when Jews in America start to support policies in Israel, which they wouldn't support in America, which don't allow for separation of church and state, 
which don't give full rights to people who are technically living under occupation. Oh, my goodness. And this is a Jew. And which don't allow for immigration of people who aren't Jews or for non-Jews to become citizens. This is a problem because it gives credence to the old adage that Jews are liberal or left-wing only for their own self-interest. That they want a colorblind society with all these different ethnic groups makes it much safer. So I think that whether you keep your values consistent is a true test. A lot of American Jews do support one thing here and another thing there, and that's inconsistent. They're not the same countries, Alex. In 2012 as well, Soros donated at least $200,000 to the Jewish Council for Education and Research, a left-wing super PAC that strongly supported both of Barack Obama's presidential campaigns, was one of the nation's top donors to J Street, a Jewish organization highly critical of Israel's dealings with the Palestinians and Hamas terrorists. In April 2018, in an interview with the Israeli news outlet Ynet News, Soros charged that conservative criticisms directed against his father were largely motivated by Jew hatred. Since I was a child, I realized that beyond all political reasons, the attacks against my father have an anti-Semitic tone. I read what they said about him in Hungary. They described him as the creator of an international Jewish plot. All the elders of Zion and the protocols in one man, in my father. They asked, how dare this man come to Central and Eastern European countries and dictate norms to them, who is this immigrant fighting against the discrimination of Muslims in America? They stepped up the attacks on him because they saw how influential he was. In the same interview, Soros asserted that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's ties with radical right-wing, anti-Semitic, and corrupt elements contradicts Israel's commitment as a Jewish state. When asked whether some of the money that he had donated to J Street might possibly have been used to support the anti-Israel boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, Soros answered, In my opinion, the call for boycott and divestment of Israel is wrong. This movement is trying to follow in the footsteps of the South African president. Israel is a different story. I believe the occupation is bad, but can't hold every Israeli accountable for the occupation. How self-serving is that comment? On July 31st of 2020, Soros authored a piece for NBCNews.com about the family's fight to eradicate systemic racism in America in the face of what he portrayed as widespread anti-Semitic opposition. Some key excerpts? The senseless killings of George Floyd and countless other black Americans while in police custody have sparked the largest and most diverse mass protests in the history of the United States. You might think everyone would now be focusing on how to fix a system that has mercilessly subjugated, brutalized, and killed black and brown people in this country, but you would be wrong. Instead of trying to come together and figure out how America can live up to its promise of equality for all, too many people prefer to stoke the flames of anti-Semitism. The wave of outrage over systematic racists has provoked anti-Semitic accusations that Jews, specifically my father George Soros, are organizing the protests behind the scenes. Well, they were. Blaming Jews for mass civil rights movement is a textbook white supremacy tactic that has been around for longer than anyone reading this article has been alive. You know, Alex Soros is a direct product of George Soros. This construct, he says, also ties into the abhorrent replacement conspiracy theory that flourishes in the darker corners of the internet, such as on 4chan, Gab, and Reddit's now suspended the Donald Trump subreddit. Evil Jewish financiers want to somehow replace white people with supposedly more pliant people of color. 
this despicably racist online poison he talks about really hardly existed. Anticipation of the pivotal 2016 elections in the United States, Soros co-funded and became chairman of Ben the Ark Jewish Action PAC, a political action committee focused on representing the views of Jewish Americans on domestic policy issues like immigration, sexuality, and social change of a left-wing variety. There's an opportunity to launch something that actually speaks to what the American Jewish community cares the most about. This is so sick that I'm getting nauseous just saying it. Soros was deeply upset by Donald Trump's victory in the presidential election of 2016. When Trump was elected, he said, I wasn't surprised, I was sad. Since Trump's election, I have been waking up every morning and saying to myself, the world is in danger. I have to do whatever I can to prevent that danger. Later in 2018, reports emerged that packages containing pipe bombs had been shipped to prominent Democrats like George Soros and former President Barack Obama. Blaming President Trump for having created a political atmosphere in which such potentially destructive acts could take place. Alex Soros wrote a 2018 op-ed in the New York Times claiming that this profoundly disturbing development was a manifestation of the new normal of political demonization that plagues us today. Characterizing Trump as someone who sought to foment division and hate, Soros added, we must find our way to a new political discourse that shuns the demonization of all political opponents. Now that should make you sit up and take notice as they prosecute the number one political opponent to President Biden, right? He said a first step would be to cast our ballots to reject those politicians cynically responsible for undermining the institutions of our democracy. That's what those of us who voted for Donald Trump were doing, Alex. In the same op-ed piece, Soros again suggested that opposition to the work of his father and the Open Society Foundations was rooted in a breed of anti-Semitism promoted and fostered by Trump. Something changed in 2016, he said. Before that, the vitriol he faced was largely confined to the extremist fringes among white supremacists and nationalists who sought to undermine the very foundations of democracy. But with Donald Trump's presidential campaign, things got worse. White supremacists and anti-Semites like David Duke endorsed his campaign. Mr. Trump's final TV ad famously featured my father, Janet Yellen, chairman of the Federal Reserve, and Lloyd Blankfein, chairman of Goldman Sachs, all of them Jews, amid dog whistle language about special interests and global special interests. A genie was let out of the bottle, Alex said, which may take generations to put back in, and it wasn't confined to the United States. In July of 2020, Soros touted the many benefits that he believed America would reap if Joe Biden were to be elected president. While European pundits are correct to doubt that the old transatlantic alliance will simply return to its pre-Trump state, they are underestimating what a Biden victory would mean for U.S. foreign policy. Oh, my goodness. The more I talk about Alex Soros, the more nauseous I get, because everything that he says and everything that he believes is antithetical to what I believe. He accuses America of routinely violating civil rights and liberties of racial and ethnic minorities. It's simply not true. He depicts the U.S. as a nation whose enduring racism must be counterbalanced by racial and ethnic preferences in favor of non-whites. We've been doing that. It doesn't work. Portray the American criminal justice system as racist. And the list goes on and on. But you know what? He and his power continue to dominate the Democrat Party. So I ask you. Are you going to support any Democratic candidates? Because I certainly can't in light of how much they hate America. 
Politicians who cave on the subject and worry that their reputation will be damaged have led us down a very, very dark path. So when I listen to Donald Trump challenge Alex Soros and all of these highly motivated Democrats to upset and turn the card over here in America, it just makes me love the Donald even more. And of course, after the debates I saw this week, there is nobody standing on that stage who comes even close to Donald Trump. We need a leader who's a bit of a madman who will scare the hell out of Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and the little rocket man, and who knows how many mullahs we're going to have to take on in the near future. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.